through PayPal or you give through credit card. I also want to talk to you about a commitment to tithe in this year. This is 2020. We have this big emphasis this year on being healthy, and one of the goals is to be financially healthy. Um, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't done this, to commit to tithe for 2020. A tithe is the first 10% of your money. And some of you, you know, give, and maybe a few people give, and then it gets to be tight, and, and they, they back up a little bit. But I just want to say, just if you would commit for a year, I'm not saying this so that the church can get more money. I'm saying this because I've, I've found God to be so faithful. And he works in the long haul. He doesn't work in the short haul. It's like people will go and they'll tithe a little bit and then it gets tight and they quit tithing after two weeks or two months or whatever. I'm just saying that if you would go long term with God, you're going to be shocked when you get to the end of the year and go, wow, I did not think that in the blessings and the raises or different things that happen through the year. And you'll look back and you'll say, this is undeniable that it's the hand of the Lord. So I just want to encourage you, if you've not ever done that, that this year, if you want to become more financially stable, that you will turn that part of your life over to the Lord once and for all. Just do it and be done with it. And you will be, see uh, a huge blessing in the long, long term. So ushers, come up if you're going to take the offering. And we're going to pray over this offering. Uh, and we'll take it here. Okay. Thank you, Jack. All right. You got a lot of ground to cover, buddy. Okay. Oh, here, are the, here they all come. Yeah. All right. I didn't know what happened. Let's pray. Sometimes I tell you to put your hand on your heart. Why don't you just put your hand on your, on your wallet? Um, God, bless this. You know, Lord, that... Uh, Money's a big deal down here, and uh, we, we have a hard time getting by without enough. And Lord, what we know from you and from your word is that you don't want us to be scraping by. You don't want us to live in the wilderness. You want us to live in the promised land. And so, God, we're believing that you're going to bring us into abundant life in 2020. And so we're asking for a blessing. We just come right out and ask. You said, you, you said if you bless those that dare to ask, and we're going to ask, God, if, if people in this room need a better job, we're asking for a better job. And we're praying for people in this room that need a raise, and we're asking for favor and they'd get a raise, or a promotion. We're asking, God, that you would meet every financial need, not just week to week, but for college tuition, for retirement, for uh, health insurance, for everything, God, that people need down here to make it. We know, Lord, you're the, you're the God of abundance. And so, Lord, this year, we're, we're going to trust you. We're going to nail this part of our life down, and we're going to give it to you, and we're never going to look back because we know, God, that you have our best interest in mind, and you know how to bless your people. So we pray that in Jesus' faithful name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, a few announcements. I want to...
talk a little bit about community. Um, we have in Sunday mornings, I don't know if you know this, but at 9 o'clock here on Sunday morning, we have a men's class, a ladies' class, and intercession. Uh, that's a prayer time. And they're powerful. And I'm just going to ask you to get connected this year in 2020. I, one of the areas that we're focusing on for health is relationships. And I'll give you a hint here. You can't be in a relationship unless you hang out with people. I, I know that's profound, but I, some of you wonder why you don't have any friends. It's because you don't put yourself in a situation to know anybody. There's so many opportunities in this church. If you'll just get involved, you'll be shocked. You know, one of the things that I've found is I work in the prophetic rooms uh, from time to time. My wife, Pastor Wendy, she leads those, and so she'll have me work in there from time to time. And what I have found, the side benefit of that is getting to know people that I'm working with in those rooms. Sometimes if it's slow, we just sit and talk, and you really get to know people. And even if it's not slow, you get to know them spiritually by ministering with them. It's, it's amazing. Are, am I telling the truth, all you ministers? I, it's so powerful. And uh, so I encourage you, get involved in the church. In 2020, get involved. We're going to have a training in March on the prophetic and healing room training, and so you can get involved in those ministries. We want you to be involved. We want you to know somebody. We don't want you to feel like you're all alone. Um, so please do that. You can go to ilovemore.org. Also, our Facebook page is amazing. You can go there and find out the Welcome Center out front. And Lyndall sends out an email every week. Do you all know this? Yes. Most of you get it. Now, here's my other encouragement. Read it. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. And jokes. And jokes, yeah. Well, I don't always make it through the jokes. But <laughs> now, I don't want to say that because Lyndall will start putting some in there that he shouldn't put in there. So. Anyway, okay, so y'all ready to get into the Word? Okay, let's get into God's Word. And, and, and we're on this journey in 2020. Uh, we're, we, I gave everybody a journal. Does everybody have a journal? Because if you don't, they're at the front desk. You can get one after church. I want every member of the church, every person that comes to have this journal because I really want you to be participating in what we're doing this year in 2020. And this thing's a big part of participation. Last week I talked about uh, page number one, and page number one is going to write your motivation or your why. Why do you want to do this? And it, it needs to be a motivation of love, a motivation that lasts a lifetime. Page two, you're going to write down your long-term goals. You're going to write down things you want to accomplish this year, your long-term goals. And then on the next page, you're going to write down your short-term goals. What are you going to do short-term to accomplish the long-term? That's how you do that. And then I was going to talk to you about some other things that go. And on page four, there's things that you want to grow in. You know, uh, all of these areas that we're looking at this year, all seven of these areas, I'm encouraging you to intentionally, intentionally, that means you do it on purpose, I want you to grow in those areas. That might mean that you want to get books and read. You might say, I want to read 12 books this year. That's a book a month. And you're going to read on all these seven different subjects. Now, let me give you, a, I just want to say an observation I've noticed in church. A lot of people in church only read books they agree with. A lot of people in church only read this small little section of books because they don't want anything that's going to be something they might have a problem with. Don't do that. Grow this year. Be intentional. Get outside your box. Grow. You, if, the, if the living God lives inside of you, he can direct you in all truth. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Go out there and read books about different subjects and grow in the Lord. Let him, let him grow your person. Let him expand you in this year. Be intentional about that. That's what you put on that.
page four, at least I did. And then uh, these are areas of intentional growth. You know, you're going to have prayer list. You know, you know, it's just, this sounds hokey. A lot of people, you know, they say, oh, I pray all day long or I pray in the car. I'm asking you to be intentional this year. And by intentional, I'd like you to start making a prayer list. If you're like me, lots of people say, would you pray for me? I want you to write that down and say, I'm going to pray for you. And really, every morning, get up. I don't care if it's five minutes. Just read these things before the Lord. Sometimes what happens when you're reading these little lists before the Lord, he's going to give you something to pray specifically. He'll say, you need to pray about this. You need to pray about their family. And you can get to pray, or you can pray in the Spirit. You, but it's intentional things about a prayer list. And list them out. Write them down. And be, have an intentional prayer list. You know, your Bible reading. Have an intentionality in your Bible reading. People say, well, I don't have time, or I don't understand. Let me tell you a secret about the Bible. It's powerful. You don't have to read a ton of it for it to change you. Just read it. I don't care if it's three verses. Read it and meditate on it. Let the Spirit of God teach you and guide you, and you will grow. You'll grow because the Spirit of God works through the Word of God. And that's how it goes. So I'm asking you to be intentional. And then I have down here TED Talks, podcasts. You know, there's so many things in our generation that other generations couldn't get. There's so many podcasts out there. If you want to know about emotional health, look up a podcast on emotional health. If you want to, or a TED Talk on, on, on uh, uh, growing uh, intellectually. You know, there's different talks, and they're for everything. And you, if they're 17 to 20 minutes, and they're very well done, and you will grow, I, I tell you. Be intentional. Write them down in your book, and be intentional, and check them off. At the end of the year, you're going to look back and go, wow, I read 12 books. I listened to these 20 TED Talks. I did this. And you will have so much more potential to grow in the Lord. Okay. That was one little amen for that whole thing. That was a lot of words for one. I'm usually not this needy, but I'm kind of needy. So need a little affirmation today, people. We're on this journey. Amen. Yeah, amen. Healthy, happy, and whole in 2020. Okay, all right. And that's enough amen. And, and I'm going to talk to you about something today that is, it has the potential to change your life more than anything else I've ever spoken to you about. That's a big statement, but it's true, and it's about healthy thinking. So I'm going to talk to you about healthy thinking because your, your thought patterns, the way that you think, is the only way you'll really ever find lasting change in your life. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we talk about that, I want to tell you a story. And it's kind of a sad story, but it's a true story. You know, a, a lot of times we think as Christians that we're kind of uh, insulated from, you know, having mental problems, or we're sort of insulated against having psychological issues or emotional issues. And many times I've heard said in times past, I don't hear it much anymore, but, you know, it was almost like you have a lack of faith for you to say that you had any kind of uh, emotional issue going on or you had any kind of psychological issue going on. In fact, people would even try to make you feel like you, you weren't a mature Christian if you ever said you had those kind of things going on. And I just want to tell you that that's just not true. And I'm going to explain why that's not true. And God's word says it's not true. But I'm going to tell you why it's not as we go on today. But at first, I want to tell you this story. This, this story about an evangelist that came to our church a number of years ago. Not this church, but the church that Wendy and I used to attend. And this evangelist came to our church, and he was doing a three-day three um, uh, meeting. And, and he was powerful. 
He was a powerful speaker. He had an anointing on him. He had, he, had tremendous, he had a tremendous mind. I was shocked by the way that he could just take large portions of the New Testament and just you know, speak them uh, word for word by memory. I mean, big sections of Scripture. He was a brilliant guy, and he was a powerful guy. And as he preached over these three days, there were just lots of people that came to Christ, lots of people rededicated their life. It was, it was a great meeting, and I was really impressed with this man. So... It shocked me that about two months after he, he was at our church in that great meeting, that it was, it was relayed to us that he had uh, taken his own life. I was young, and I thought, wow, is that even possible for a real Christian? You know, Is that even possible that a Christian that's following God, and somebody as powerful as that guy that knew all that scripture and everything, is it possible? Or maybe he wasn't even really saved. And I went through all this exercise in my mind, and I thought, can it really be possible that a Christian, a spirit-filled, powerful Christian that's anointed by God can find himself in so much hopelessness, so much self-condemnation, so much darkness that he would actually take his own life? And I thought, gosh, I don't, see how that, I don't see how that could happen. But, you know, since then, I've, I've experienced a lot of people in my life, and I've known a lot of people that are great Christian people, powerful Christian people that have emotional issues, that have psychological issues. I've known people that have been overwhelmed by darkness, and, and, and I've been convinced that, yes, it can happen even to a Christian. It can, it can happen to a believing Christian. How does that happen? Well, it's right here. It's about your thinking. It's about your thoughts. Let me explain it this way. As I've been saying the last few uh, weeks, we're made of a body and a mind and a soul. Now, a lot of people want to put the mind in with the soul, but I don't believe that at all. I believe your body <clears throat> is one thing. I believe your soul is your emotions and your will. And I believe your mind is your, is your mind, your brain, your intellect. I believe they're all three separate. And you know what? You would have no, you would never argue with me if I told you that as our bodies, if we go and hug someone that's got the flu or a cold, we are susceptible to catch that cold or flu. Is that true? Why? Because your body is weak and it's susceptible because of the way that it's made. But, you know, for some reason, we think our mind is insulated away from influence in this world. We think our mind, if we're born again, is not susceptible. But I'm here to tell you that your mind, your body, and your soul or your will and your emotions are definitely susceptible to negative things in this world. And you can fall into a very dark place by being susceptible and letting your thoughts go where they shouldn't go. Because all three of those things, they make up one spiritual being, just like with God. We're made in his image. And just like with God, we're a, we're a three-part person. They're these three distinct parts, but we make up one being. Just like God is three distinct persons, but he makes up one spiritual being. There's not three gods. There's only one God. And there's not three of you. There's only one you. But there are three things that are susceptible in this world. That's the reason that we want to take a, a run at growing spiritually because we are susceptible and we need growth in all three of these areas of our life. We have seven areas of growth, but there's actually, they affect three things in our, in our being. You know, to make matters worse, it's like Christians for years 
that had this combative relationship with psychiatry. And, and I understand it. I mean, the father of modern psychiatry, Sigmund Freud, used to say that any religion was a neurosis. I get it. And many times people would go to a psychiatrist and they'd try to talk them out of being, even believing in God. I get it. But that's not true anymore. For most psychiatrists today, they've come to know that there's a huge benefit, especially in Christianity where it talks about unity, togetherness, love, peace, forgiveness. All those things are huge. And modern psychiatry has embraced uh, Christianity as a positive influence in most people's lives. And Christians today have taken down the, the, you know, the oh no towards psychiatry. You know, in the old days, people didn't even want to admit, admit they had a problem or that they would ever go to a psychiatrist. And I can tell you that in this time in my life that I was doing things that were incongruent with the person that I was. There were times in my life that I was uh, making really bad decisions and I had a real hard time, a real dark time, and I visited a Christian psychiatrist. And in about two hours, he was able to tell me things that really helped me to get a handle on my thinking that was causing me to keep making stupid mistakes. He's a real doctor. So it's nothing to be afraid of. But we're not talking about psychiatry. And we're not talking about the tools of psychiatry. What we're talking about is God's word and what he has to say about this brain that we have and our thoughts that we have in this book. And so we're going to go back to where we went last week. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12. And the reason we're going to Romans chapter 12 is because Romans chapter 12, in my opinion, speaks specifically about these three areas of our being and how we can grow spiritually by working on these three areas. Because these three areas are your body, your mind, and your soul, and they're all three covered in the three, first three verses of Romans chapter 12. And then at the end of Romans chapter 12, he gets to the reason we want to grow spiritually. What's our long-term goal? I say, I want to grow as a spiritual Christian. Well, I'm going to show you in that book what he says it, it means to be a mature Christian. But first, we're going to talk about chapter, this verse 1. We looked at it last week, but I didn't go into some of this because uh, of time. I had a different thing. But it talks about your body being a living sacrifice, committing your body, your physical body, to God. But it starts with therefore. And whenever you read therefore, you realize he's speaking about everything that preceded this chapter. Everything that's in the first 11 chapters of Romans is prefaced right there. It says therefore, and what's he talking about? Because in the first 11 chapters of Romans, if you know your Bible, and I'm sure many, many of you do, he talks about all those powerful truths that we're all sinners all of us are the same. There's none righteous, no, not one. Not one person. We've all sinned, and the wages of those sin is death. You can't be saved on your own merit. It's something God gives you, and it's called grace. You can't be righteous on your own merit. It's something God imputes to you. That's a biblical word. He gives it to you. He puts it on you, and it's not anything you do. It's a free gift of God. He talks about all of that in the first 11 chapters. He talks about even though we're so weak in our flesh, he doesn't condemn us. That he understands that we're mere humans and that we need a God to help us to live the way he wants us to live. He's not expecting you to do it and then he'll join you when you get successful. He's saying to you, I realize you're human, but I don't condemn you for any of that. 
I want to help you. In fact, he doesn't condemn us. He adopts us in Romans chapter 8. He adopts us. And then he says, I want you to start calling me Abba, Daddy. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with you. And I'm going to give you my spirit to lead you. My very spirit will live in you, and that's going to lead you. And not only lead you, it's going to assure you. His spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you know you're a child of God. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. Romans chapter 10, and then we roll into Romans chapter 12, and he says, Therefore, I urge you brothers, talking to Christians, in the view of all this stuff God's done, all his mercy he's shown you in these first 11 chapters, all of this stuff that's true, I'm urging you to do something in return. God's done so much for us, even to the point of going to the cross. And now I urge you to commit your body to the Lord. Make it a living sacrifice. Following Jesus, laying down our life for the greater good, just like he did. That's what he's asking us to do. People say, well, it's my body. I'll do whatever I want to do with it. No, it's not yours. He bought it with a price. And now he's asking you. He gives you free will. You can do whatever you want to do with it. But he's asking you in view of his mercy, in view of all the great stuff. You see, this is the reason that water baptism is the first act after you get saved. Why? It's the first step of your body being a living sacrifice. And people that won't do that because of their pride, anybody that won't, let their body be committed to God. People that won't commit their body to God, they will not grow spiritually because you've stopped what God says is the first step of the process of you walking a spiritual life. If you live for your flesh, you're not going to be living in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You need to learn to commit your body to God. It's a very important step in growing spiritually or even as a person. You do realize that God made you and he's the only one that knows who you are. And you'll never grow spiritually and know who you are without following God. You can't find it on your own. You're not going to find it anywhere except with him. And at the end of chapter 12, like I said before, he explains to us what our long-term goal is as Christians. You know, people say, well, I want to grow spiritually. Well, what does that mean? This is what it means. It means that you're not overcome by evil, of course, but don't stop there. Most churches stop there. They're obsessed with sin. You know, get rid of the sin, 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 sin. No, we're not talking about that all the time because we're not going to be overcome by evil. But you know what? We're going to overcome evil by doing good. You see, this is the goal of every Christian being. A mature Christian has learned that you don't fight fire with fire. When you find evil in the world, you don't combat it by being evil. If somebody hurts you, you don't combat it by revenge. When someone hurts you, you don't combat it by hurting them more. You, you overcome evil by the good that you carry. And you break that evil ecosystem that is going in the world 
Like Jesus said that we should break it. If somebody slaps your face, you don't slap them back harder so they won't do it again. You turn the other cheek. Why? To overcome that evil with the good. And you break that, that evil ecosystem that's, that's, that's in this world already. This is what it means to grow as a Christian. That's our long-term goal. But our short-term goal to get there is, first of all, to make our bodies a living sacrifice. And secondly, has to do with our brain. And we'll talk about that in a minute when we go to verse 2. But before we go to verse 2, I want to tell you about your brain. Because a lot of people don't even think about their brain. They think about their biceps and their abs more than their brain. And your brain is the most important part of you. I don't know if you know that. It only makes up 2% of your body weight, but it consumes up to 30% of all the calories you consume. Isn't that weird? It, it's 2% of your body weight, but it, it takes 25% of the blood in your body to go to your brain. It's a very, very, very important organ. And because of the way God designed us and built us, I, I think I look at these, these facts and I say, wow, we should take really good care of our brains. We should really, really pay attention to what's going on up there. You know, it, maybe it's not the smartest thing to run in a football field and hit someone with my head just as hard as I can, you know? Maybe they're finding some of that stuff out. Yeah. Dr. Daniel Amen, who I've cited several times, he's a Christian psychiatrist and, uh, and a brain expert. He's a really brilliant guy written several books, and he, he through science, he's in the la this is all new stuff in the last 20 years, but in, in, through science, through, through uh, research, he has, he has proven that every time you think a thought, your brain releases chemicals into your body. And if you think sad, angry, anxious, hopeless thoughts, your brain releases chemicals that make you feel awful. If you are a negative, negative, naysayer person that can never, ever see anything good, and you're just, woe is me, woe is me, that self-pity, victim mentality, over and over and over, over a prolonged period of time, it will absolutely destroy your health and steal your happiness. It's just a fact. And you think, you know, you don't realize it's a scientific thing where chemicals are going into your body and it makes you feel awful. Some people can't get out of bed in the morning because of their thoughts. They will not take their thoughts captive, and their thoughts are literally making them sick. They can't help themselves, they think, but they can. You know, whenever you have negative thoughts, your hands get colder, your muscles tense up, you breathe shallower, brain waves get disorganized. I thought this was so fascinating. It's when people are negative all the time, they, have, they just can't have any clarity in their thoughts. It's like all over the place. You know, people that are super judgmental and they're just real negative all the time of people, it's, it's like their thoughts are not going to be clear. And God says it's, it's a fact. It's, it's something we're learning now in science. It's not, just, it's not just that you're a weak person. It's not that you were just negative and that's just the way you are. It's literally something that's going on in you physically. But if you have happy and hopeful, encouraging, loving thoughts, it releases chemicals, but it's a whole different set that make you feel good. People say, you know, whenever you have good thoughts, you know, your hands get warmer, 
your muscles relax, your breathing becomes deeper and slower. These are all facts. People say, well, thoughts are automatic. You can't stop your thoughts. They're just a young, you know, it just comes into my head. I just, I can't be blamed for my thoughts. I've heard that taught too. Like, you can't help what you think, but you, you can help what you dwell on. That, that's not even true. That's not even biblical. Let's, let's look at what God says about thoughts. I think my Bible says, take your thoughts captive. I would think that's an option that he's giving us. You know, you don't have to take your thoughts captive. You can just let them take you wherever you want them to go. And many times that's in the dark place, and you don't want to just go into the darkness like this poor evangelist did. He says, take them thought captive. And then not only that, he says, think on these things. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's good report. Is there anything of virtue, anything praiseworthy? Think on those things. That tells me there's a choice involved in what we think. You see, our brains are a fascinating organ. And what we may not know is that our brains, actually the thoughts that we have in our brains are, are really just, they, they're there because, and I'm going to say this in the way I understand it, it's like your thought waves are like water going across landscape, and they cut a channel in the dirt, and every time the water comes, it goes down that same channel. It doesn't cut a new channel, it goes down the same channel. And your thought waves come down your brain and create neural pathways. And they come down. This is scientific fact. It creates neuropathways that come down your brain. And it's just, that's why you think your thoughts are automatic. You have some situation come and your thoughts just go right into the ditch because that's what you've always done. You have thoughts that are always going to take you into jealousy, always going to take you into insecurity, always going to take you into lust. They're always going to take you into anger. They're always going to take, and you just think, oh, I'm just, I'm just born that way. No, you're not. Your neuropathways are cut by your experience. And we're going to talk about that a lot in just a second. But let's go to verse 2 when he talks about our brain, our mind. He's saying, first, you make your body a living sacrifice. Second, he said, don't conform any longer, any longer to the pattern of this world, the way the world thinks. Don't think that. In the brackets is mine. That, that's not what's in the Bible. It says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know why a lot of people in Christianity are never transformed? It's because their minds never get renewed. You know, renewal is the goal. But renewal only happens when you get your mind transformed. We, we, you know, we fall victim to this magic wand God all the time. You know, God, fix my marriage. And we just want him to go, boom. God, fix my brains. I have lustful thoughts. Boom. He doesn't do that. Well, he does, maybe once in a blue moon, but I just don't think I would bank on that. Let me tell you what he says to do. You have the obligation to know him, receive him, receive him, and the fruit comes out, and the last deal in fruit is self-control. He doesn't take control. He gives you self-control. You're not a victim in this world. You can take self-control from God. He has it, and he's offering it to you. People say, what does it mean to be spirit-filled? Well, you're in control of your actions, your words, your thoughts. It's one of the most mature things about a, a mature Christian is that they, they don't allow themselves to be a victim to their thoughts. Don't conform any longer. We have this choice. But this doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take repeated effort. 
to know that we can stop these thoughts from just running rampant, that we can actually dam them up, so to speak, or divert them to a different direction. And we don't have to think every, we don't have, and let me just tell you this, you sure don't have to believe every goofy thought you have. Because you've got some goofy ones. We're going to talk about that. These negative thoughts, we're going to talk about how to take them captive specifically in the coming weeks. But there's some negative stuff that needs to go. And there's ways we can, we can lasso that stuff and pull it out of our head. You're not a victim to it. And you, you can change your thinking. You, you can, you're, you're not stuck with your brain any more than you're stuck with your body. And if you're one of those that's already defeated because, oh, you know, I, I want to look a certain way and I'll never get there, then you're already beat. But if you know that you can go down a road and you can little by little, little by little, change yourself into the person that you want to be, that God wants you to be, you can do the same thing with your brain. There's not a thing about it. In those three areas, your emotions, your brain, your body, you can change. That's a beautiful thing about humanity. God gives us this tremendous capability, and it's all because our brains are so uniquely made. You do realize you're the crown of creation, that no animal on the planet has the ability to process information the way that we do. No, no animal on the planet would, has the capability of doing what we do to, to look at ourselves and say, you know, long-term, I'm going to change, and I'm going to take these short-term steps to change and, and completely change their life by following God's spirit inside. There's no, there's no other created being that can do that. God's put us here and he's given us this free will. And, and you know, we have a responsibility before God how we live our life. Don't conform any longer to the pattern, the pattern of this, of the world, of the world's way of thinking. The pattern. You know what a pattern is? It's like you make something, right, Carol? And you put the pattern on the cloth, and you cut it out, and you sew it together, and you hope it looks like what you want it to look like, right? That's a pattern, you see? And that's what he's saying. He's saying there's a pattern that you've been following, and don't do it any longer. Don't conform any longer. He's saying the reason that you have the thoughts you have is because you have been doing this. You've been following a pattern of the world's way of thinking for too long. And one of the, the worst ways you do it is through bad habits. You know what a habit is? It's that when those neural pathways go through enough times, you think you have a habit. And, and that is you just have to change that. But bad habits are learned. I don't know if you know this, but everything you've, you know, you've learned by observation. And, and, and that's the pattern. What you've learned is the pattern you've learned from. So it's not that you just need to stop being conformed to the pattern of the bad thinking that you were subject to growing up. Many people go through life and they see their parents fight or they see their parents, you know, do things the wrong way. And so they've had this pattern of learning that, okay, if I have a fight, I'm supposed to beat my wife into submission. That's what I saw my dad do. It's the pattern of the thinking, and these things have been created in my mind, and, and, and I'm not a real man if I don't stand up and, and put her in her place. This is a, a thinking thing that we've learned by pattern. We've, we've seen it from our parents or from our grandparents or from movies or whatever. We've learned from the pattern of the world, and, and it's wrong. It's just wrong. 
You don't know how to do conflict resolution. You need to learn something. You should maybe get a book on that and learn or listen to somebody that knows how to talk about that. And you need to learn new things. You need to create new neural pathways. I don't know if you know this, but how you handle anger, you learn from a pattern. You're not born an angry person. You've learned it from a pattern and you've created a pathway in your brain that makes you think, oh, when I get angry, I just blow up and start swinging. Or when I get angry, I go in my room and slam the door as hard as I can and don't talk for three days. Why? Because that's the pattern I learned. Maybe you just learned to take that pattern of, I just leave. You've learned it. You've observed it. Or you've heard it. And you've adopted it. And now it's your way of thinking. And what you have to do to be transformed. You see, the only way you transform a lot is you, you, you're, not, you're not transformed just because you're born again. You're transformed when your mind gets renewed. When these thinking patterns change. I don't know if you know this, but your, how you eat was probably learned by pattern. How you eat. You know, when I grew up, we had white gravy at every meal. We did. Every meal. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I loved white gravy. Hallelujah. I feel the same way. I left home. I left home at 17 years old, and that was the thing I learned from my mother. I said, Mom, if, I want to know how to make white gravy because there might be... I might not marry somebody that knows how to make it, so I want you to... And she taught me how to do that. And then there was a time that I realized that that wasn't good for me, and I had to stop thinking that way and start thinking differently. You know, I still want to eat it all the time. Every time I see it, I'm like... Every time I go to a restaurant, I think, I wonder what that chicken fried steak's like. I wonder what that gravy's like, you know? Now, let me just tell you, you just have to change your neuro pathway. You learn it by behavior. You learn it by pattern. You learn it by model. And God says, you don't have to be conformed to it anymore. You can break away from that. You can break it free. You can break free. Next one is negative peer pressure. You've had a lot of things in your mind that have been, you know, these tr- pathways have been created because of negative peer pressure. I mean, how many of you did something you didn't want to do normally because of the people that are around you. I mean, have you ever done that? Any of you? Two of you have? Well, that's great. I, I would guess it's a lot more of you. I, I guarantee you nobody saw a cigarette and thought, man, that smells good. I'm going to smoke it. No, you were all smoking cigarettes, right? And you didn't want to be the goofball that didn't smoke the cigarette. You did something you didn't want to do, right? Same thing with drinking beer or alcohol. I mean, there's so many things that you do because of negative peer pressure. He says, don't be conformed to that thinking anymore. Stop doing that. And I can tell you that a lot of the things, a lot of these things we think about, we need to realize what's the source. And if you want to know how to use your little book, I want you to start noticing your negative thoughts and take them captive and write them down. If it's a repetitive negative thought, especially write it down. Because then you can go, Where did that come from, Lord? Where did I learn that? Why am I so negative? Why can't I be happy? Why is nothing ever good enough? And you start writing these things down and you realize, because my mother was unhappy and nothing was ever good enough for her either. And I learned a pattern and I'm going to break it. And we're going to have a whole series this year on breaking free. And we're going to get free from stuff. And it doesn't happen automatically. It happens by intentionality. And we're going to get free from stuff. 
And one of them's this. Negative peer pressure. You know, I loved what Wendy said last week. I, I loved what she said. She stood up here and I heard one lady say to her, gosh, that was, I don't know that I could have shared that so boldly. And, you know, because Wendy stood up here and goes, you know, I got to a point where I looked in the mirror and I, I hated what I saw. I was disgusted. She didn't like herself. And she said ugly things to herself, thinking it motivated her. And no one's motivated by negative things. I don't know if you know that. That should be a parenting lesson right there. And so as she began to lose weight, she continued these negative thoughts in her head. And she thought, what is the deal? Well, she had burned a neural pathway. It didn't matter if she weighed 85 pounds. She was going to be cutting herself down because she had burned these neural pathways in her head to be negative about herself. And, it, and if it wasn't to lose weight, it was to keep it off. It was negative. It was terrible. And she said, God spoke to her and said, Wendy, I would never speak to you that way. I, I love that because he wouldn't. And she began to say, you're right. And she began to change what she said. And she started to speak positive things over herself. And that she had a great body and it was, it was um, strong and that she'd had two kids and that she... She uh, thanked God that she was seldom sick and that she thanked God she's healthy at, at her age. That she just so feels so great. And all these positive things. But she had to make herself do it. And it was because God said, stop thinking that, stop saying that, and start saying this. Change the way you think. And the last one is an obvious one. It's advertising. My word. We're inundated. We, we think the way we think because we've been told to think this way. You, you, you're supposed to look a certain way. You're supposed to weigh a certain thing. You're supposed to do this, that, and another, or you're not successful. You need to have this much money in the bank. I mean, all of these things that you feel pressure from because you're, you're conforming your thinking to the way of the world, and he's saying, stop doing that. I mean, my goodness, advertising even convinces you that alcohol is beneficial for your health. And there's nothing further from the truth. And I'm not, ba I'm, please, I'm not a teetotaler. I'm not bashing alcohol. I'm just saying it just shows how far we've come to believe that drinking a glass or two of wine a day is going to prolong our life when they've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt since 1983 that alcohol is a carcinogen. Nobody talks about that. And we've conformed our mind to think that these ways, we're like, oh, oh. Not, we're just like sheep. That's what he said. And you go astray. And you have to have a shepherd. And you have to follow the shepherd. And you have to examine these thoughts. And you have to find their origin. And you have to destroy them. And this is about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4. He says this. And it's so clear. First thing you've got to do if you want to be transformed. And you want to change the way you think. You've got to put off your old self. Because it's corrupted. By the wrong kinds of desires. And those desires come from corrupted thinking. You know, there's people that have affairs because they're afraid of missing out on something in life. There's people that try things they wouldn't normally do because they're afraid of missing out on something in life. You know, Bob Crump tells me the story about a couple that he came into contact with that decided they wanted to do his wife, this couple that was so successful had a home and a car and a great life, two great jobs, and she just desired to do meth. And she said, honey, let's do meth for, for my birthday. I just want us to try meth. 
And he says, okay. It's, it's corrupted by evil desires. You've got to put off your old self. 18 months later, they had no house, no car, no jobs, and they were selling dope out of a crack house. That's what you all know the story. But it starts with this. It starts with not having your mind in the right place, with your thoughts on the wrong things. You've been corrupted by the people you hang out with, by the things that have been said to you, and you've believed it. And he said, first thing you've got to do is you've got to take something off before you can put something on. And that's our job. We've got to stop it. You have to get rid of the old. And you have to know those thoughts, and you have to say, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. And you decide you're going to dam it up, stop it, divert it. And then you say, he says, and be made new in the attitude of your mind. Let the attitude of your mind change. Put on the new self. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. It's something we do. Uh, don't, don't tell me doing things is religious. There's lots of things we participate with with God. And if you want to grow spiritually, you can be saved and never grow. I see it in the Word. But I want to be saved and grow. And I want to be transformed into the person God wants me to be, the person I want to be. Amen. So that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to take on negative speech and outlooks. We're going to take it off. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to identify it. See, because if you don't identify it, it's like the first step in AA. If you never admit it's there, you never get deal with it. And first thing you want to do is admit I've got it. I, I'm negative. I've got to get rid of this. I've got to isolate it, get rid of it. Because this is keeping me down. And then I'm going to put on gratitude. And I'll tell you this, one of the reasons your little book's here too is I challenge you to get up every day and just write down three or four or five things that you're grateful for. And just dwell on those things. Because that's your life too. Stop focusing on what you're giving up and start focusing on what you can gain. So many people are just so freaked out about what they're giving up. It's not about what you're giving up. It's about what you're gaining. You know, you take off the old self. You don't throw it down and then say, oh, I sure wish I was a meth head. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever does that. I haven't heard that testimony. You got to get rid of it and leave it and put on the new man. And it's a, it's a literal act. It is really something you do. Because you can do it with God. And you take your focus on what other people want. Now, this is a big one. You take your focus. This is a big one of the biggest negative inputs in our life. You take your focus on what other people want or what you think they want. And you start focusing on what God wants and what you want. Because I, I, I don't know if you know this, but what you want and what God wants, they're the same thing. In your inner person, not in your flesh, not in your mind, not in your emotions, in your spirit man, it's the same thing. You know why? God created you, and he knows where you'll be happy, and that's what he's pulling you towards. You're concentrating on what that is. And when you line up with that, you'll see change. You know, stop focusing on what you can do. That, that's the deal. Stop focusing on what you can do and start focusing on what God can do. Because he can do everything. In fact, with God, impossible is not even in his vocabulary. So anything that you want to do, you can do it with the Lord. Because he said, all things are possible with Christ Jesus. It strengthens me. And that's just the truth of Scripture. So, we're on this journey.
And we're on this journey to become successful, if we can use that term. Successful, happy people, healthy people. But first, we need to get rid of some of these bad attitudes that have kept us down in a hole. And some of the messages that we hear in our mind and we repeat with our mouth. We need to change that. We need to stop being negative, pessimistic people. This year, we're going to do a lot of different things to attack this. And this isn't a one-sermon deal. This is a mini-sermon deal. And in Lent, and I don't know if you all know the Catholic deal of Lent, it's 40 days between, um, I can't remember the date, the first date, but it's 40 days between in March somewhere and all the way through Easter. We're going to do a negativity fast. We have, we have purchased... We've purchased books for every family in the church, and we're going to give those out to everybody. And then starting on Lent, we're going to um, go through it. It's a book that's got 40-day devotionals on not being negative. We've done it before. It's very good, and it's very powerful. But we're going to do that because we're really going to hit it hard on capturing negative thoughts and speech and, and uh, do this negativity fast. Now, I don't know what you do on Mardi Gras for that, but <laughs> you can figure that out in your own home, I guess. But the day that it starts, we're starting the negativity fast. So we're also going to talk about many messages this year. And I just want to say this because I want you to know what's coming. Uh, because there is more hope than what I'm just preaching a sermon and then leaving it at that. We're going to talk about what it means to have a healthy brain. We're going to talk about healthy mindsets. We're going to talk about, we're going to have a whole um, series on breaking free. And then we're going to talk about breaking through mental barriers. That's a big one. And, and we're going to talk about the negative effects of stress because that's a mental disorder that comes into our physical body. And so all of that is in this year to come. So let's stand together, and I want to pray over you and the ministry team if you'll come up. Um, as usual, if you have prayer needs for anything, it doesn't even have to relate to what I shared today. If, if you need prayer for your family, if you need prayer for uh, if you're ill and you want to be prayed for to be well, these that are up here, are going to be praying um, prayers of faith over you. It, right now, I want to pray over you. And um, like I said earlier, sometimes I ask you to put your hands on your heart. I'm going to ask you to put your hands on your brain best you can. Don't stick your fingers through your ears, but just put it, <laughs> put it on top of your head. And I just want to pray over it. God, I just pray over our brains now. We pray over our thoughts today, Lord, and we submit them to you. We say, God, may our thoughts be your thoughts, and we thank you, God, that our spirit connects with your spirit, and we can know your very thoughts, and we ask, Lord, right now, that you would begin to just flood us with your thoughts, thoughts about us, thoughts about our future, thoughts about our families, thoughts about our wayward children, thoughts about things, God, that are just going on in our life. We, we thank you, God, that we have your thoughts, and now, Lord, we just ask that you would give us the, the conviction to bring our thoughts captive to you and not fall victim to what the enemy wants for us. We make a declaration today, God, that we will not be led astray by our thoughts, that we will submit them to you, and we will let you, God, just give us, give us the thoughts that are in our head. And we pray that in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, thank you for coming today. If you need prayer, please come up. Uh, if not, have a great, great weekend.